doing this for all my ladies. I know you thinking, yo, it sound like a lullaby, right? But this is for you. Get into it. It's true. I got your legs spread all over the bed. Hands clenching the sheets. Hair wild as hell, I know. The only thing on your mind is sex and me, girl. I can feel your temperature rising. You should feel my nature too. Come on, it's gonna be a bumpy girl, ride. You what we came to do?
good evening out there. It's your girl, author and literary personality, Destiny Carter. And you already know what it is. You're officially on a date with Destiny. This is season 16, our first season on iTunes. And we have my literary fam in the house tonight. He's a writing machine. So without further ado, we're going to talk about his new book, my current situation, author Marlon McCoskey. Marlon, are you in the house with us? I'm here. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome back to date night. It's good to be back. Seems like you've been busy. Oh, you know, I, I get around. <laughs> yeah, we already know that. Don't make me call Sheena, man. Don't make me. Mm. Before <laughs> we get started tonight, what I want to do is... um. Talk now. This book, my current situation, which you just released. Tell us a little bit about the book and the characters. Okay, this book is um, the best way to describe it. I, I kind of have to. It's about a group of friends, um, nine uh, college friends for the most part, and um, they're a tight knit group of friends. They're almost like family, and um, there's a event that happens that and something bad happens and they kind of go their separate ways or at least one main member of the group goes away and then a few years later he ends up coming back to town uh when something tragic happens and um so so now he's back in the mix and everybody's starting to find out secrets and little things about each other and different things that they're trying to that they've been trying to cover up for a while is coming to light and this is how they're dealing with those situations. Because this book, now they do have, everybody has got a few secrets and everybody is keeping secrets, it seems like, in this book. And we're going to get to that. Before we do, I want to read the review. Um, I did read the book. Um, guys, you know I have to read it before you come on date night. And I'm going to give you my unfeathered review that you can <laughs> to Amazon and all places where book reviews are posted. Marla Mikulski is a gifted storyteller, so I expected nothing less than a great story. My current situation delivered that. The characters were real people you know. I've never hated a fictional character as much as I've hated Jason. The scenes and locale are done with such description that you're there with them. If you're looking for drama, steamy sex, laughs and a few tears pick up this book author and literary personality destiny carter now i want to talk about Aww. how the drama kicks off from page one jason we're gonna start with him he's a main okay. character of the book but a side character now i hated his freaking guts from page one <laughs> to the end and <laughs> as i was preparing this show i was trying to Think about because you did in some ways try to redeem him, but I wasn't going for it. And I tried to, in my head, figure out why I hated this dude so much. And I figured out why. When I was younger, I dated this guy named David, and he had a best friend named Lance. Well, Lance hated my guts, which in turn made me hate his guts. So we had this back and forth for over six years over um, David. It was like a tug of war. Um, so I think that may have subconsciously triggered something for me. Um, oh, whole, so, 
Right, but that's what good so, writing does. It helps you. Yeah, so, you, so that's what you're saying. I, I did my job. <laughs> you relate, you empathize, um, and you can actually see the story unfolding. So tell us about who Jason is and his modus operandi. All right. Well, Jason is the best friend of Rick, and they've been uh, friends since they were little. Since I guess since they were like in kindergarten. Um, you know, his, he looks at Rick's mom, like being his second mom and they've come up together and, um, Jason lives, he, he is a player, you know, he, he, he has a, a bachelor. Yeah, dog. Don't uh, say player, say dog. <laughs> dog, play, it's all the same. No, but, but, but he said, and, and he, and I, I wanted to correct something. He, he doesn't redeem himself at the end so to speak. He, that, that, that is who he is. Um, he's very brash. He's very unfiltered. And he doesn't care what you think about him for the most part. But he does some foul but, things to people he supposedly cares about. I wouldn't say, well, yeah, he does something about that. But he's, he's a flawed character. He, he, has, he is a flawed character. He's a, he's a good, he's a friend. And honestly, in the beginning of the book, he's honestly given his friend some sound advice but his the list the, the problem with jason is it's not that um he does things most things he doesn't do he doesn't do it with malicious intent his delivery is so unfiltered and so sarcastic that it may appear to be um him hating or him uh, doing the wrong thing, but when you really sit back and you think about it, it's like, oh well, you know what? He was really telling the truth. He really, really he was really dropping some knowledge. No, I thought about it. I ain't on that train. <laughs> <laughs> and the main one of the main characters, Danielle, Danny, felt mm -hmm. the exact same way that I did. Um, Danny right. in the beginning was Rick's fiance. Um, mm -hmm. and that turned into a complete catastrophe in my, in my summation aided by Jason. I'm not saying it's his fault, but I'm saying he gave it the push over the edge. I think he, he, he opened, he, I don't, you say push over the edge. I say he opened the window. He opened, he opened some doors and, you know, so you, so Rick could see clearly what he, what he was about to do. Now, and, one, and once and once Rick saw what he was about to get himself into, he handled the situation incorrectly. Yeah, because even on the first page, I was like, "Who is this dude? Like, is he serious?" Who, Jason? Yes, I was like, "Is he like for real? For real?" But he was, and he was like you said, inappropriate. At first, he was kind of joking with Rick. But all jokes and jest have a bit of truth to them. Right, and that's his way. That's that's how he communicates. He he doesn't have he like I said he doesn't have a filter. So yeah, he he's gonna be sarcastic. He's going to be off you know off the wall. But there's a there is a layer of truth under there that you have to kind of dig and see. Now the other two ladies, well, there's three. Uh, how did now? Was it Kima? Is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah, yeah, Kima. Okay. And Kima was the calming, seemed to be the level-headed calming character. 
um, mm-hmm. in in the group, and, and we're gonna get to her. But then there's um, Star and right. Danielle's younger sister, who was uh, Deja, just off the chain. Deja was off the <laughs> chain, and Star was kind of down low off the chain because um, of her brother. Now we're gonna talk right. about Mike. Mike, and we've talked about this. Kind of reminds me of my, one of my big brothers. I have eleven big brothers. Um, it, mm-hmm. And like I said, to in my opinion, Mike is worse than Jason. And see, I don't think that way. Maybe because I've dealt with Mike, and I've un- I understand. Mm-hmm. Like I've literally dealt with Mike and understands uh, where he was coming from. And I think Mike's intentions were much more pure than Jason's. I feel like Mike, mm. Mike felt like he made a promise to his father that he had to keep. However, as his wife tried to tell him, at some point, you have to let a grown woman be a grown woman. Right. And I think that that was his biggest problem is seeing his adult sister as a grown, sexual, sexy woman. Even right. at the age I am yeah. now, my brother Tone still has a problem with seeing me as anything besides his baby sister. Yeah, and, and that's and that right there is that's why, in my opinion, Mike is more intrusive, more you know, he's more intrusive and more um disruptive than than Jason. Whereas Jason was this, you know, pointing out obvious truths and say, hey, you know what, once you make the decision, be careful. You got to live with it for the rest of your life. And he went about his business, whereas Mike is actively doing things, looking up things and, and, and making accusations and, and, and presenting things to his sister that is directly affecting her relationship. But I think he did that all in love. I don't think he did. yeah, I don't think it was in no, it wasn't and it wasn't malicious. it wasn't intentionally malicious, and neither was Jason's actions. Jason's actions wasn't malicious see, either I, he was, I, guess, I guess that's where we disagree, and you're the author, so you know your intent, but um, certain, <laughs> certain things Jason did, like uh, the stunt he pulled with Kurt and Deja. Um, okay, now now on that that on that tip that was spiteful, that was vengeful. That was petty fuckboy stuff. Exactly. And Jason is not above that. <laughs> and he was not, and he was not ashamed to admit that he was not above that. Exactly. He has no he has no filter. He has no shame at all. Now, let's talk about Star a little bit. Who is, tell Scooter I said, calm it down. I'm, 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 I'm going to throw him out the window in just a second. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of A Date Night with Destiny, we give you superstar dog Scooter. You can find him in the movie The Return. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. now, now that we've given you a celebrity dog, here's a shout out. Let's get back to Shout you. out to Scooter. <laughs> Shout out. Let's get back to the interview. Now, Star, okay. she was Deja's best friend. They um, were right. together and all of that stuff. 
And she was a lot more apprehensive in dealing with men, not just because of Mike, but because of her own experiences and what she wanted for herself. And the irony is, it wasn't like she was um, out there hoeing like Deja. She was. <laughs> Why she got to be a hoe though? She <laughs> was. And, and that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to be a hoe. If that's what you're into, I'm no, not but what, what, what exactly made her a hoe? <laughs> well, first of all, sleeping with somebody who your sister despises. That's that my... that that makes you a hoe because you're because you're dating somebody or, or messing with somebody your 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 sibling doesn't approve of that no, that makes no, you a hoe her, wow no, backstab not disapprove of she knows what Jason did to her sister she knows the bad she did, Jason didn't do anything to her sister okay. we don't disagree on that we, she we just don't, don't like him I really don't we don't agree to disagree on that oh I keep it moving. <laughs> keep it on moving now I, I think the one thing that star was struggling with was um coming into her own as a woman and feeling okay with being with who she was because she had her brother trying to put his ideas of who she, he thought she should be in her head mm -hmm. right and it I, and, and um I, I can understand the struggle of trying to hide who you're dating from your brother. Cause I dated my brother's roommate on the low and, and I was the one who pursued him. But when my brother found out he broke his jaw, dude had to uh, drink through a wired mouth for like six weeks. Okay. So you're obviously you, you, so, so you're, you're not new to, to dating somebody your sibling doesn't approve of. <laughs> it wasn't that he didn't approve of him. He didn't like the fact. He broke his jaw. He yeah. broke his jaw. <laughs> he did not approve. Because he was sleeping with me. That's what he didn't approve of. Okay. Which Same was difference. Which was ironic because they was both dogs. So, like, I don't, I don't get that, but whatever. And keep in mind, now, you pursued the dog. <laughs> okay, whatever. Now, getting back, we're talking about... Mm -hmm. um, Danny and her control freak issues. Now, mm -hmm. I think that we all have a little bit of control freak in us. I know I do. Um, and sometimes it, it it's just the personality. She was a lawyer in the book. And I think um, that that's one of those careers. And that's one of those types where you, you are that type of personality. Um, yeah, when, to, when some, you, to some degree, yeah. When yeah, there there's some there's some things that when you do in your personal, it I mean in your professional, it bleeds over into your personal. Like I feel like sometimes if you're an entrepreneur and you're in charge and you, you you're used to calling the shots, sometimes right. it's hard to let other people call the shots or not be in control. Because I find that to be the case for me, and I've been called a control freak before, um, for relationships, work, whatever. And mm -hmm. I say no. I'm not a relation. I'm not a control freak. I just want to make sure it's done right. Right, and that that was Danny's issue too. Is that Danny more so than just you know being professional and 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 doing controlling her work environment? She wanted to. She had her. She had a vision of what she thought her ideal relationship was going to be, and 
seeing her best friend, Kima and Mike, uh, you know, how they were, you know, progressing in their relationship, she felt like, okay, well, I, we need, I need to be on the same page or moving at the same speed they are, so let's, let, let me take control of the situation and egg things along, even, you know, and not taking into account that, okay, Rick is not Mike, and, and Danny, you're not Kima, so they have their, their they are they're vibing on their own tip and moving at their own pace, whereas you're trying to kind of force the situation. The situation with her and Rick was probably eventually going to happen anyway, as far as them getting together and, and marrying each other and being in love. But she was just trying to push that that situation, that relationship much faster than it needed to move. Now, in this book, you explored a lot of different uh, relationships, uh, friendships, sibling um, relationships, which I found interesting because I found myself kind of um, looking at my relationships with my siblings and stuff, because in the beginning, there was a lot of tension between Danny and Deja. Right. Deja felt like she, her sister looked down on her, but was that really the case? Uh, no, and um, no, it, it wasn't in, in from, from Danny's point, from, I'm sorry, from Deja's point of view, yeah, that's what she perceived it as. And, um, and uh, Deja um, really just felt like she got everything as far as, far, as, far as being, have their, they have the same father, they have different mothers. And she always kind of felt like their father kind of chose Danny and her mother over her. So she kind of had that chip on her shoulder, whereas on the flip side, Danny always saw Deja having all this freedom and all the restrictions and all the goals that maybe her mom and her dad put on her. She didn't see you know, that with Deja. Deja was always free to make her own decisions and and nobody questioned it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think, like, they, they both saw something in each other that the other had or didn't have, and they were kind of envious of it. Uh, and, I, and I was glad to see that eventually they were able to to have a sisterly chat and figure it out. Right. Because a lot of times that's what it comes down to. It comes down to a lack of communication. Like you can just assume I know how you feel about me, and oh, I, well, I know how you feel about me. And and it really, in the actuality, is if you just took, you know, just take a few minutes and just hear each other out and really listen to each other, you might see that it's not really as it's not it's not as black and white as you may think it is. And I think that that's, that's what um, they both found out. We're at the first break right now on date night. So, Marlon, we got to pay some bills uh, from our sponsors, Emerald Stars Media, Central Kisses Body Collection, and Creative Touch Design Firm. We'll be back after this song and some messages from our sponsors. This is Date Night, and I'm your host, author and literary personality destiny carter we'll be right back oh. mm. 
author, and literary personality Destiny Carter coming to you for Book Basics Writer's Workbook. Have you written a book or thinking of writing a book and don't know where to go next? The Book Basics Writer's Workshop Seminars are for you, the new writer or the writer who needs help navigating the sometimes difficult publishing industry. Seminars include building a book budget, picking a publisher, choosing an editor, interviewing 101, and marketing 101. All sessions include the Book Basics Writer's Workbook and a discount on other sessions. For information or class registration, email creativetouchtrailers at gmail.com. Welcome back out there. It's your girl, DJ Dez, author and literary personality, Destiny Carter. I hope you enjoyed that song. I don't want to be a player no more. That's dedicated to, well, y'all can figure it out once you read the book. Oh, God. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) We're going to get right back into the story. And we're going to, we're talking with author and filmmaker Marlon McCoskey about his latest My Current Situation. Now, Marlon, could we possibly see more from these characters, or have you told all the story you need to tell from them? Uh, no, I, I really I really enjoy these characters, and I'm actually, um, this, I'm actually in the process right now of, uh, of writing down some ideas, some, some, some story narratives for a possible sequel. Well, I just got to see if there's a... Go ahead. Oh, I, I, I just got to see if there's enough story there for, for me to really dive into it. But, yeah, th- I really enjoy, you know, being with these characters and, and, and telling the story. Well, in the way you left it, um, I think that <laughs> each character has some more story to tell. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Because there's some things that we could definitely see what happens where you left off. Right. Um, and you know we're not giving we don't get a story away here. You gotta buy the book. So <laughs> you gotta you gotta buy read a book. book. Yeah, read a book. That's how we do. Um, but I can definitely like what one of my biggest pet peeves is when people carry out a story too long, too many sequels, or it shouldn't have been a sequel in the first place. And we're living in right. the era of reboots right now. Um with people, I feel like just trying to make some money to make money because there's several reboots out there that ain't worth a crap. <laughs> and I feel like they're reaching back for nostalgia. And we've seen the TV shows and the reboots and the ones that are coming down the pike and all of that stuff. Right. So now I'm I'm I don't really have personally I don't have a I don't have a problem with um with a sequel or reboot as long as you're you're telling a new story, you know, saying it's like, now, now, if you're doing something that's a continuation, make sure you already have that part two already done and ready to go, you know, within, you know, within a time, in a, in a timely manner. Now, if you're just, you know, just writing a cliffhanger and then you got to wait, you know, three, four years for the, for the, for the follow-up, then I done forgot what the, the original story was. Exactly. 
Exactly. I've seen that happen too. Or the fans lose interest. Right. You know, you know, you you have to as a storyteller, you have to know what type of story you're telling. And if you're going to revisit an, another story or, or, or revisit a story that you've already told, make sure it's fresh. Make make sure you what are you doing new in this book that you didn't do in the last book? That is absolutely true. Now, you are know, your characters but, growing? You, you know, that type of thing. And, and you have to make sure that you're true to the original story as well. Right. Because your fans will call you out on inauthenticity. Right. Well, the good fans will. <laughs> and you definitely don't want to read it in a review, right? Exactly. Make sure that story is worth telling. Exactly. And not just for the money, because I feel like you'll ruin your reputation as an author, but that's just me. True. Now, let's talk a little bit. We always talk about the industry and what's going on in the industry. Have we seen any major changes, you think, in the last three years or so? Um, I think um, Audible books are uh, becoming more of a thing. Um, in the, especially in the last uh, three, three or four years, I, I would say that's becoming. I see that's a trend that's growing. And and that's crazy because audiobooks have always been here. Right, but they haven't been as convenient to 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 um to consume as they are becoming now. With the right, because age. now you can probably download it to your tablet or your phone or right. You know, any of the streaming devices. And I'm actually in the process of uh, turning one of my favorite books, Dirty Karma, into um, an audio book. And I am doing the narrations myself. Now, I had to read all of these rules and stuff about putting <laughs> together an audio book because it's just like doing a galley for a book, like you have to have certain stopping points, you have to have certain mm -hmm. indicators, like you have to have a bell or some kind of indicator between chapters. Um, it's hell when you get halfway through reading the chapter and you make a mistake. Um, you know what I'm saying? Going back yeah. and, and fixing that stuff. And that's what I'm going through now. So I'm always practice reading the chapters out loud two or three times before mm -hmm. um, I record. Um, I'm learning how to stop where I make the error, pick up the reading from there and do the editing on the back end. So there's a lot involved um, mm -hmm. with audiobooks, And I think that ebook trend is going down. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really see ebooks are still, you know, don't get it twisted. Ebooks are still very viable and very, uh, very popular, but as the, the craze, has definitely fell off, and, and as far as in the last uh, three, four, five years, it's it's trending, and and you see paper book paperback books are starting to make a resurgence a little bit, a little bit, and, you know, it's starting to balance itself out, like everything. Well, and and I think with ebooks, of course, like when it's new, like you had people buying the Nooks and the. The Kindle mm -hmm. readers, like, I don't even think they make just a Kindle reader anymore. I think you have to buy a fire. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. So I don't I, think I, Nook is even in business. 
Right. I think they stopped making the Nook. Um, yeah. I think Barnes and Noble actually stopped making the Nook. And I, I'm not sure which came. I think Nook came before Kindle. Um, I think so too, yeah. And then Amazon just came in with their own version of it and kind of did what they do with every market and dominate. Yeah, they are the Disney of the book world. <laughs> right. It's, it, it's, you have to find your niche against them. but And it's crazy how Amazon controls the book world. And they're not even books. I mean, they're booksellers, but they're not in the publishing business, the book business. Well, they, they kind of are now. With Kindle Direct, they are uh, a publisher now. Well, I mean, they I mean, are, but they aren't. I mean, when I say that, right. I mean that that's not their focus. Like, if they were to decide, you know what, we're not going to allow you guys to print one more book, Amazon wouldn't be suffering, I don't think. Right. They they sell too many uh, too many other products to go on to go under for just books. Right. That that's my point. I mean, you can get everything from grocery to caskets from Amazon. Right. <laughs> so, from um, the cradle to the grave, yeah. Right. And I just actually used their delivery service and it was fantastic. So um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think audiobooks is the the new trend I see that's starting to pick up steam in the book industry world. Now, if you have, you're teaching a class to new authors, you got 15 new authors in front of you. What would be mm-hmm. the one thing that you tell them that they need to know about this industry? You're not going to make money. <laughs> No, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, making movies about your book. That's not going to happen right off the bat. Yeah, you're, you're you're not going to get rich, you know, so if that is your motivation, getting rich, selling a whole bunch, of, especially if you're uh, doing this independently, you're not going to get rich overnight. Okay, so that's the first thing you should know. If you don't have a passion for this business, if you don't really enjoy the craft of, of storytelling, you probably shouldn't you probably shouldn't even start. Right. I agree. I, I totally agree. I think that so many people think it's cool to have the title author because it makes them look smart for whatever reason. They wanna, you know, they wanna think that. But right. I feel that the pretenders and the ones who are just and now it's so easy to publish a book where before yeah. you had to, you know, go through uh, the rejection letters from the publishers and mm-hmm. traditional publishers were the only, you know, way to go. But now it's so easy uh, that it saturates the market. And I think it also creates um, sometimes bad business for the for the industry as well. Definitely. I mean, like, like I, like I always say, it's like, you know, when we started, they were, um, we started um, trying to get published and stuff like that. The gatekeepers um, for better or worse were the, um, were the publishers, uh, either the major publishers or the major independent publishers. And there were standards that you had to make, you had to meet in order for them to even consider publishing your book. Now you could always, you, even back at that, you could always, self-publish your book and but it was it was a, it was a little harder of a process to do that so that's that was the that was the the check and balances you know back in the day whereas now thank you amazon <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to, to publish anything and call it a book 
Well, yeah, well, Barnes & Noble did their part, too. Right. Everybody played through a little piece into it, but, yeah, it's it's definitely the wild, wild west now. Right. I like one girl published a 27-page book about how shady she was and how wrong she did some people. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a nice pamphlet. <laughs> I, and we joked about it, but I think that that's crazy that that's what our industry has come to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no matter almost every industry you look at, music industry, uh film industry, the book industry, there's always going to be a trend of some of, of people taking shortcuts. And, and put in any kind of product out there. And it will be, and, if, and for a minute and for a while, it might even be successful for a while until, like I say, everything start. eventually everything evens itself out. You know, eventually people are going to start wanting quality over quantity or this trend or this fad is going to play itself out. And then you're going to be looking for, okay, where's the substance? And I also think that you may fool me once and I might buy it, but you're not going to get me a second time. Right. And there's always, and we got, we, and, and, and us that's, that have been in the industry for a while, we always got to remember that there are new readers and new people who are discovering or, or, you know, discovering reading or discovering books every year. So there's a new audience coming in every year. So what we, what what the standards that we had back in the day is not necessarily transferring over to new readers who are just right. getting into it today. And, and eventually they're going to have to place. yeah, eventually they're going to have to grow their own sensibilities. Right. Exactly. And because when we came in, we came in at the very beginning of the self-publishing boom. Um right. And and had to learn how to do the things that we do. But because of our reputation, because of the passion that we have, because this is something real to us, we put out real and quality product. Um, right. What bothers me is that other people who don't have the same standards, as you said, they make readers weary of picking up an independently published book or a book published by an independent publisher, because there's a difference between someone independently publishing their book and having an independent publisher. But either right. way, um, the product can be really good or really crappy, depending on who's doing it. Right. And so, um, yeah, it, that's definitely readers, I agree. readers don't have a way of knowing it's crap until they're in the crap, <laughs> right? Right, right. Buyer beware. <laughs> right. That's what it is. Like you said, the wild, wild west. Well, we have come to the point in our show where we are taking our second break because Miss Destiny got to eat. So we always got to pay the bills. <laughs> got to do that. Got to do that. We'll be back after our final musical selection with Marla Mikoski, author of My Current Situation. This is Date Night, and I'm your host, author and literary personality, Destiny Carter. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Everybody put your hands together. Ooh, 
Have you written a book and you don't know what to do next? Let the professionals at Creative Touch Design help take your manuscript to a polished, market-ready book. We offer services like cover design, galley design, and marketing and promotional materials, specializing in ebook and trade paperback for Rate card information, email creative touch trailers at gmail.com. Welcome back out there. It's your girl, author and literary personality, Destiny Carter. And if you are just tuning in, where the hell have you been? You've missed the whole show. I've been talking with author and filmmaker, Marlon McCoskey. We've been talking about his latest book, My Current Situation. So Marlon, besides promoting and out there doing your interviews and all of that good stuff, what else 
is Marlon McCoskey up to? Marlon McCoskey is no, I'm 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 always writing uh, something new uh, or working on something uh, with Creative Genius Films um, with Lamont Gant, and um, we're right now we're in the midst of uh, pre-production on uh, Return to, um, so hopefully we will be able to start filming that uh, next year in 2020, and. Um, Outside of that, you know, it's, it's for me. It's always I'm always uh, you know scribbling something, you know, jotting down ideas, and um, just working. Does, look, does Des get a cameo in that one too? Yeah, Des show up. <laughs> <laughs> I always show up. What you talking about, man? All right, then you know you you know you're in there. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, we always do industry talking, and I like, I believe in each one, teach one, and we talked about um, one thing that, you know, that you would tell the new authors, what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes that new authors make? Um, going off of following trends, um, I feel like, um, like right now, there's a lot of uh, ratchet books and that's a trend, um, you know, that, that people that's hot right now or maybe cooling off right now, but it's something that if you're a new author, you might see that and you might say, Ooh, well, let me do that because that's what I think people want. And that's what, that's what, that's what I think is selling. And you're not really writing what's authentic and what's true to you. You're just, you know, chasing trends and that doesn't last. It, it, I think as an author, it's important to tell a story that's important to you. Right, or something that you're really passionate about. Right, because for me, like some characters, um, like in my um, Her Only Wish, and then I did the follow-up, More Than a Wish, um, which was the end. And it was really mm-hmm. hard for me to say goodbye to those characters because they were so important to me. Right. Today, yeah, that's that's a passion for you. You know, you really invested in. You know, you're not just writing. You know, ratchet nurse. You know, or or pregnant you know, my, look, uh, pregnant by my granddaddy wife. I mean, my granddaddy. Right. So I mean, that was actually a book. So. No, no, I'm not saying that you shouldn't write about ratchet things. If you know, if you have a story, I'm just saying. But I think people, there are certain authors and certain publishers who are just trying to exploit one type of genre, one theme, and they're not, they're not allowing their authors to really tell authentic stories that's true to them. You can't do a you know? cookie-cutter formula. Right. And I, I feel like, you know, you know, I, I personally feel like there's enough people out there, you know, like my current situation is not it's not that type of book. It it it, it feels like a uh, like a book from the '90s, or it feels like some book from back in the day because it's not dealing with anything really ratchet, you know. So you know, I I feel comfortable telling a story like that because I know, hey man, there are like fifteen, twenty authors I can name that are writing ratchet books. You know, I'm gonna tell my story and and just be different. But there's enough ratchet in there for you to relate to. Like, that's not the underlying theme of the story. But in actuality, we all do 
dirty stuff sometimes. It's, it is yeah. what it is. But you didn't take this, um, the boyfriend got to be a drug dealer, the girlfriend got to be this, and that, yeah. and that, and then I got a, and then I got a good story. Right. You know, these are hopefully uh, these characters, and, and especially in this book, are characters you can relate to. You know, they, you know, every like, like even we, we, we could, you've complained about Jason, uh, his character, like he's such a dog and whatnot, but at the same time, his character does do some very, you know, you know, good things, you know, at the same time. And, and it just goes to show that people are complex, you know, you're not just one note, you know. You're not just one thing. You can be t- you could be two things. You could be three things. You know. You you there's more. You, you have a personality, so you can shine in different ways. And relationships are complicated. Period. Right. Um. For for whatever reason, and 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 like I said, you pretty much covered them all. Friends, siblings. Um. Uh, Miss Sharon, who was Rick's mother, she was. A mother to the entire group. Um, right. So, so dealing with that, and we never really got into why Jason saw her more as a mother than his own mother. Um, yeah. And, and Danny's mother was she was. I mean, like you said, you mentioned her, and maybe she was in the beginning of the book or something like that. I think I remember like a scene with her, but it wasn't. Uh, that wasn't the focus either. Right. So, so yeah, I mean they're they're, they're yeah they're they're different um they're different little side stories or things that were kind of touched upon but not really explored. Um, <clears throat> I mean mainly because that wasn't what the story was about. Right, and so, I understand that, and you gave us enough yeah. info to keep it moving um, to let us know it was there, but right. um, still keeping not bogging us down with unrelated information. I hate stories like that too. Like, have you ever read right. a book and the whole chapter, you was like, what was the purpose of that? Yeah, it was just like you did offer, you just wanted to fill pages. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, that, and that's another thing, too, that I always, uh, that I've noticed, too, is like not every book needs to be uh, 400 pages. Not every right. book needs to be 300 pages. It's like, and I think the industry creates, especially when you're trying to get to the major publishers, They'll tell you, you know, your book needs to be at least uh, 80,000 words or 75,000 words. But what if the story I'm telling doesn't require that many words? What if my story requires 60,000? What if it requires 65,000? And that's the story, you know? Because I have read some good stories like that. Right. It's like, I, I feel like, I do feel like there is a minimum you do have to kind of hit in order to be classified as a novel. So 27 pages ain't a novel, huh? Right. <laughs> That's barely a short story. <laughs> but I feel like... It's a short story. But I, and I feel like, especially when you're um, you know, pitching it to a literary agent or to a publisher, you know, I think they, they filter people out by how many, what's your word count? And if you're not, if you don't hit this word count, we're not even going to consider your book. And it's like, well, you did it, but you didn't even read the story. My story doesn't require that many words. And I mean, and not to, not to say some, some stories, some stories do require a lot more words than others, but I feel like 
that's that's something that we need to that needs to be kind of a you know addressed a, a little bit more. Right. Before we get out of here, we're going to talk about, you know how we like to do at the end. We're going to talk about one current event. And what I want to talk about is Monique filing a discrimination lawsuit against Netflix. That's my current topic for today. Um, I'm going to throw my opinion out there and then I'm going to let you take it away. Monique full of shit. Monique full of shit. Um. Tiffany Haddish, the Obamas, Shonda Rhimes, Dave Chappelle, all of them have got plenty of money from Netflix. I think she made a bad deal, and she mad because she didn't get the money she wanted. Well, you took the deal. So how can you be mad, you know what I mean, for a deal that you were down for until you saw other people were making more money? Oh, it's just really, it's like you, she has a sense of entitlement and it's really, yeah, I understand that you, you want to be paid what you think you're worth, you're worth, but you, at the same time, you have to realize that no company is required to pay you anything. They made an offer to you. If you don't like that offer, don't take it. Go take your business elsewhere. And and that's basically what Netflix did. They said, hey, we're willing to pay you X amount of dollars. Um, Take it or leave it because we feel like this is the kind of audience or this is the number of people you're going to bring to our platform. And, you know, either you you take it or not. And then just move on. She's been harping over this for like, what, three, four years now? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting just, a bit uh, ridiculous to me. And it's like when you said, with any job, like in the real world, if, when you interview for a job and they tell mm-hmm. you this is the salary, either you want it or you don't. And it doesn't matter what the next person is getting paid, you know. I mean, because they take, they take other things into consideration. First of all, when Netflix offered Monique that uh, stand-up or whatever it was, nobody was checking for Mo. Yeah. Well, nobody was checking for Mo. And I have to say this. I used to work at Uptown Comedy Club when they were down on Peachtree. And this was before Monique blew up. She used to come in and headline all the time. Like, I remember her first husband, Mark, because he used to always sit in the corner. Um, and he mm-hmm. was a tiny guy. Like, he couldn't have been, like, more than 5'4". He was a tiny guy. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, back then, Monique was a lot bigger. It's, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it just is what it is. Um, it's a fact. <laughs> it, I mean, it's a fact. Um, and she seemed to me to be a genuinely nice person back then. Like, mm-hmm. we had conversations all the time and stuff. But what I see from her now and the Monique that I knew back then, like, I just can't reconcile the two. I think what she, I think once she won um, those um, those Oscars, that Oscar, she felt like she made it and that she was entitled to certain things, um, to certain, she thought she was on the level of other people who were, who who were out there working, who were, right. you know, who were not just resting on their laurels. Like Dave Chappelle, 
you know, it's Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle is out there doing his his doing his thing. Uh, but he's, he, he's but creating Dave Chappelle that, has, yeah. Dave Chappelle has no delusions about who he is or what his art is. He out there right. telling jokes. I feel like Chappelle is out there telling jokes because he likes to make people laugh. The money and not. not and not just that, that he is out there, he's not, he's, he's touring on his own. He's right. bringing in a certain, a certain audience on his own. So Netflix or whatever platform, they see, oh, you're doing that on your own. So let, let's, let's offer you what, you, what we think you're going to bring to our platform. Right. What was Monique doing? Nothing. That's what I'm saying. She hadn't done really anything since Precious. And, and my whole thing is, Chappelle, he walked away from the Chappelle show when it was at the height of his popularity because he mm-hmm. felt like he needed to take care of himself. And even, um, even not even let's not even look at Chappelle. We'll look at the um, what was the Amy Schumer? Yeah, I mean she's not she's not my brand of comedy, but at the time when she got her deal, she had just got done, you know, starting it, starring in a major motion picture. That was pretty successful at the box office. Tiffany Haddish as well. She's not my brand of comedy. I don't like her as a comedian um, because I don't find her funny, but that's me. However, the girl had movies out. She's, like you said, touring stand-up on her own. She Mm -hmm. has an audience. People know her. She got, what is that, the Groupon commercials and all that kind of stuff? Right. People know her and recognize her. And plus, nobody's going to work with you if you're fucking difficult to work with. There you go. Once you burn bridges, it's hard to build them back. And boo, she came for Oprah. You don't come for Oprah in the media world. I mean, but the thing is, how many how, how many people has she has pro- had problems with? Oprah, right. Tyler Perry, Lee Daniels, Will Packer. I mean, that's half, that's half, that's, that's, oh, that's three quarters of black Hollywood right there. Of power of black you know? Hollywood. Yeah, of power, the people in position who, who can help your career and do, and, and, and green light projects, that's, that's, that's damn near three quarters of them. Right. And, and, and you've I, managed to piss off all of them. <laughs> by being petty and stupid. But you know what? She's gonna file this lawsuit, and you know she's gonna get her feelings hurt again. So you know, I, I think so too. We're gonna, to, we're gonna have to listen to another two years of rants. Now, tell my listeners <laughs> how they can get at you, how they can buy the book, all that good stuff, all your contact information. All right, I'm on all the social media platforms. Well, I'm on Twitter under uh, Marlon Mikulski, Facebook, and Instagram Marlon Mikulski. Um, you can find my books on Amazon under my name, Marlon Mikulski, or My Current Situation, an Atlanta tale. Um, my website is marlonmikulski.com. That's M-A-R-L-O-N-M-C-C-A-U-L-S-K-Y.com. And you can find links on how to uh, purchase my book there also. Great. Well, listeners, you are listening to Season 16 of date night a date with destiny carter distributed through itunes and launchpad of course destiny carter radio sponsored by emerald stars media central kisses Mm -hmm. web boutique and creative touch design firm 
I have been your host, author, and literary personality, Destiny Carter. And of course, my guest tonight has been author and filmmaker, Marlon Mikowski. So congratulations until, on season 16 also. Thank you. I can just, it's, it feels like yesterday when I started this. Um, there's a lot of people who started out with me who are not doing this anymore. Exactly. And I guess that goes back, look, I guess that goes back to passion and who's real. We were talking about that fad thing. And when blog talk exploded, everybody wanted a blog talk show, right? Right. Because when blog talk first started, it was free. And then when all these people felt like they wanted to be radio personalities, just the bullshit, blog talk started charging. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the game has a way of filtering people out. It really does. Well, thank you so much for coming through. You know, it's always a pleasure and I always enjoy your books. I want all my listeners and my readers to check out My Current Situation by Marlon McCoskey. You can also find some of his books like The Pink Palace from Vixen. What is it? From Vixen to Diva? Mm-hmm, from Vixen to Diva. From Vixen to Diva? Uh, uh, if I Was Your Girlfriend. Um, what else is out there? Real love is out there. Um, uh, return a dangerous woman. Romance for the streets, all of that. Romance for the streets. You can also find him in the Emerald Star Press banger, The Freak Files Reloaded. That is still on the shelves, and people are still loving it. Believe it or not, I do believe it. (laughs) But like you said, new readers come into the game every single day. Yep. And that has been date night for tonight in season 16. I'm your host, Destiny Carter, saying until the next time you're under the sound of my voice, don't miss your destiny. Thanks for listening. This podcast content has been brought to you by Destiny Carter Radio, a subsidiary of Emerald Stars Media. For more podcast content, visit DestinyCarterRadio.com.